This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with Jennifer Alvarez, our Digital Media and Marketing Officer, and Derek Konofowski, our Data and Technology Analyst. And we have a few very special guests joining us today from Arizona Department of Transportation. Um, Caroline Carpenter is the Public Information Officer, and she handles the social media accounts and general marketing strategy. And Doug Pacey, who handles the freeway message boards and the associated messaging that goes with those that I think we're all familiar with when we drive on any of our freeways here in Arizona. And we're huge fans fans of the work that you guys both do and are thrilled to have you here today. So talk to us a little bit about how your um, department is set up and you know what you're doing to um, communicate and reach out and to assist people when they have needs through your all of your channels. I think for social media, we have a dedicated team of public information officers that work almost around the clock. We're headed towards 24-7 coverage of our social media channels and really responding and answering to constituents and trying to help them with any issues they have. Sometimes it's issues on the road. Sometimes it's a problem that they've had at the MVD. Sometimes it's just a, a question that they wanted to know about an HOV lane law that they reach out to us. Sometimes it's a question we can't answer and then we kind of direct them elsewhere. But Behind us, uh, behind that social media team that's answering those questions, we do have a fairly large communications office, which includes everything from uh, community relations, people who reach out and head, attend our public meetings. We have a video team. We have a graphics team. We also have uh, other public information officers that handle different portions of the state. I don't have much to add to that. She covered it really well. <laughs> <laughs> So, Doug, you handle the message boards, and recently I know Hamilton came to mm -hmm. Gamage, and I loved the, you know, why do you drive like you're running out of time, all of these super smart, engaging. Um, so tell me about where that idea and concept came up with. We actually have some little mini message boards here in Gilbert, and, and we try to try to be as creative, but we They're haven't too been small. able to. Yeah, you guys are way too cool really for us. Small. <laughs> we don't have a lot of space to work with, but I'm, I love watching what you guys are doing with your message board. So talk to me a little bit about how that idea came to be. The, the Hamilton message messages, um, someone from ASU Gamage, their marketing department, her name's Carrie, she reached out to me, it probably was October, November, and uh, she said, hey, we've got Hamilton coming up, which I already knew about. Um, my mom has season tickets, so I was going to get tickets to go. Um, and she wanted to put a, a message up there related to Hamilton. And what we'd like to do at ADOT, we'd like to put messages up there that are tied to things that are front of mind for people, whether it's Halloween or Christmas or Super Bowl or Hamilton. And at that point, you know, the shows, I think they sold out in December before they started. And it was going to be a big deal. Um, so we were all about trying to find a message that would work. And so she and I, we probably sent messages back and forth for, I don't know, about a month because we didn't really need to get too into it because the show started, I believe it was January 30th, 31st, something like that. And so we worked with those and we came up with four messages that we really liked, but I thought only one would really work on the boards because while Hamilton's really popular, it's, it's still kind of a, a niche thing. Mm -hmm. And if you put, why do you drive like you're running out of time, a Hamilton fan knows exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. But a, a regular driver, a normal driver, they may not get that. They may think, 
what does this mean? We don't want to confuse drivers with the messages. Mm -hmm. They may not get the meaning, but we don't want to put something up there that confuses them. So we put um, on, on the freeway signs that day, we had talk less, drive more, which is, you know, don't drive distracted or talk less, smile more mm -hmm. from the show. And we, we took pictures of three other signs, messages from Hamilton. We put those on our social media and they really took off. Um, yeah, I saw the guy that played the Lin, lead. Lin-Manuel Miranda, yeah. he put it on his, his Twitter and his Facebook. Oh, awesome. and, That's amazing. And that was pretty great. I think it helps that our agency is known as ADOT, ADOT Ham, you know, ADOT Burr, that part of the, the show. Nice. That helps. Um, the Hamilton messages did better than, at least on social media, they did mm -hmm. better than any of the others except for one, um, as far as reach and engagement, mm -hmm. things like that. So the Hamilton fans, they were really into it. I think even regular people got the message without confusing them. And so it's kind of a win for us. I like that, though, because like I've never seen Hamilton yet. I, I know all about Hamilton. I've times. heard the soundtrack. I've seen you know books and stuff <laughs> about it. I know I know enough, you know, enough to be familiar with it. But I'm, I'm definitely not familiar to where like I know all the lyrics and stuff. So it's really cool to me. We talk about planning on the show all the time, how like my thing is the number one thing for success is planning stuff out and making sure what it is. So it's cool to hear that you guys were looking for messaging or that you, you regularly look for messaging that, that people who aren't familiar with that would be, because you guys use a lot of like pop culture references yeah. and things like that. And it's really important that those messages land regardless of who's seeing it. So I, I really like that. Yeah. these. Me I mean, it's easy to think that these messages, it's like we hire a 20-year-old intern, throw him in front of a computer and let him do it. Um, it's not that cool or that fun or that easy. You know, they have to get vetted. We are a state agency, and, you know, millions of people see these messages every day. We can't put something up there that's going to confuse people or make people angry. Um, you know, uh, a few years ago, we put a message up to promote the move-over law, which is, you know, if you see a car with flashing lights, whether it's an emergency vehicle, a passenger vehicle, you have to move over to the left to give them space. And we put, I forget exactly what it was, but it said, move over, it's the law. And people were moving over. Oh, no. And they weren't supposed to, because, you know, it's... <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that taught us a couple things. One, people do read the signs, they pay attention to them. Mm -hmm. Two, we have to be very careful about what we put up there. It can't be a, a directive, type, unless it's in an actual live incident saying where you want to tell people left lane's blocked or something like that. So... How often do you guys change the signs? Is it daily, weekly? Or just your your kind of pop culture? Oh, that's when, whenever we recognize an opportunity type okay. thing. Uh, I know other states will have a thing called like message Mondays or they'll do it on a Wednesday or a set rotation. We don't have that. What we do, um, whenever we recognize an opportunity, um, we'll plan ahead or maybe it's something. It's not cool anymore, but when Pokemon Go came out a couple years ago, you know, that got really big really fast. And so within a couple of days, we put something up about Pokemon Go, no-go while driving, something like that. But most of them, they're planned a few weeks or at least a month, month ahead. I had an experience a few weeks ago. I was driving home late in the evening during the week, and your sign told me that there was a wrong-way driver ahead and to exit the freeway immediately. And that was a real jarring experience, and it was fascinating to watch how many people continue to stay in the far left lane. And I'm like, are they not seeing the sign? Are they not exiting? But then there were a whole row of cars that were getting off at that exit. And I thought, 
that's that's a pretty amazing, powerful. And I was curious how quickly you could get that message up there, or how you're alerted. Is that through a 911 call, through from dispatch? Like, how how does that process work? Um, it can it can be a couple of different ways. It, well, we're installing the um, or it's been installed the thermal camera system on I-17, basically in downtown Phoenix area. Interesting. Yeah. Um, that if people get on those freeways wrong way. Um, eventually, once that system's up and running, I think it's in the operational. They're they're in the testing, testing phase, phase right that. now. So uh, that will um, that will give our operations center an automatic alert. Love but right that. now, most of the ways that we're getting that information is nine one one calls mm-hmm. from people who are driving and and see that, and then our operations staff in the traffic operations center then reacts to that, um, looking for that on the camera, posting those signs, and those signs go up very very quickly, um, typically seconds, but you know it depends on the situation. It's amazing. And it goes back to what you said about the 24-7 response and agency and kind of tying in because life doesn't just happen between 9 to 5 and what we run into a lot in other cities that are trying to communicate with their followers or their residents, but they are not thinking of a 24-7 round-the-clock type of customer service, customer care system. And life happens, as you know, in the middle of the night, on the weekends, you know, when we're not at our desks, right? And so I love this approach and thinking about how you have to be there for certain, I mean, emergencies or, you know, just questions that people run into. So talk about that philosophy and how that works and why you think that that's successful for you guys. You said you're moving towards 24-7, so you're almost there. And do you know of any other agencies that are doing this? We, We don't. Um, yeah. I think that when we do get to 24-7 coverage for um, social media and public information, that we'll probably be the first agency in the state to do that. And I don't know of anybody else in the country, but it very well may be possible that someone else is doing it. But our Traffic Operations Center has been 24-7 for many years because they're dispatching our crews out to crashes that obviously happen 24-7, 365 days a year. So there is always somebody there. Well, I think it was in 2008, our communications director got on Twitter, saw it was kind of new, started tweeting about crashes, and continued to build a following. And he continued to do that after hours when there was something big going on. And between Tim Tate, our communications director, and the director of the agency, they kind of realized, hey, people are really wanting this information and really responding to this information. So they decided to dedicate four public information officers in the traffic operations center where everything is actually going on. You can see the cameras. You can see the crashes. You're getting that firsthand information to put out tweets, to post on Facebook, and to communicate with the public on social media. And that's so important to be in the action, right? So that you have access to the information because you are needing to respond really quickly. I mean, accidents can be cleaned up quickly or they can take hours or days. So um, to be right there in the action is really important. I actually um, was driving home from California one weekend, it was Sunday night, probably about 8, 9 p.m. And I was stuck in probably about four or five mile backup on the I-10 in the middle of nowhere, just about to come back into the valley. And I knew that you guys are really active on social media. And so my first thought was to go to your Twitter account to see if you guys had posted anything about what was going on. Because at that point, I didn't know if it was a fatal accident or if there was some sort of issue or if it was construction. Um, And it was a fatal accident and you guys had posted about it. And so I had... um, responded to you, replied to you guys and asked like, hey, any any idea how long it's going to take for this um, to clear up? And someone responded within, I think, two minutes. 
I mean, that's pretty incredible. Two minute response saying, we're detouring right now. You'll take this road. You should be there in about a mile and a half because they knew where I had said where I was. So, um, and that was very helpful. It helped calm me down when I'm stuck in traffic and frustrated and all I wanted to do was be home at that point. Um, But to have that friendly customer service on the other end was um, helped ease my concerns and my frustrations and made the situation a little bit better, which is what social media care is all about, right? And I'm sure you guys see that on a daily basis. Just wait, they're going to get to the point where you're going to be driving down the street and then the signs are going to change and it's going to say, Jen, we saw your tweet. <laughs> <laughs> Here's yes. your response. Exactly. Um, I think it's really cool though that, that like with your whole social media strategy, because I think one of the things about social media is that a lot of people think that they can just be on social media and post stuff every now and then, like when it's quote unquote important and that people will know to go there to know for look for to for that stuff. So I think it's really like when you look at not just government agencies, but private companies that they're regularly posting content and you guys try to post content regularly all the time so that you, it's almost like you get people in the habit of checking your channel. And that's really important in my opinion, because I think when something important does happen, then they're already in the habit of going in and checking those channels. And I don't think a lot of government agencies have that kind of following or that the kind of regular, you know, there's, there's followers, somebody's following you on Twitter, and then there's people that are actively following and actively engaged with looking at your stuff. So I think you guys do a great job with that too. Thank you. What, you know, one thing that the agency believes, ADOT believes transportation is personal. So that personal touch of communicating directly to you when you're stuck in traffic or answering a question that you post on our Facebook page is another way that we make transportation personal. And we do get those many, many questions and people who are upset a lot of times because they're stuck in traffic. And sometimes we don't have the answer. A lot of times we don't have the answer. I can't tell you exactly how long it's going to take a DPS trooper to do an investigation, but I can tell you, hey, it's going to be quite a while. You might want to take a detour. Hey, sit tight. Try to be patient. We understand. And that it, you know, it stinks to be stuck in traffic, but we're doing the best we can. Here's what's going on. And then we use photos and video as much as possible because I can tell you don't go this way. I can tell you that the weather is bad, but until you actually see it, you're probably not going to really believe it. Yeah, and you guys are in an uh, interesting position because you're one of those agencies where when everything's going right, people barely know you exist. It's when they're stuck in traffic or when something's wrong that all of a sudden, oh, like, who's the person responsible or who can I, you know, reach out to that? And I think that the the safety messages that Doug has posted has mm-hmm. kind of turned that around yes. to mm-hmm. not just Created be... Created a more friendly, mm-hmm. engaging. I agree mm-hmm. completely. And that's where it's... I love this, the connected piece of this. And then thinking about attaching... We're always talking about attaching yourselves to bigger things that people are already thinking about. Like when you said, what is top of mind? And another thing that people tend to get, I think, wrong on social media. But if you want to increase your following, your engagement, and you guys have more than 217,000 uh, followers on Twitter, I believe, um, which is incredible. And if you want to continue to grow that following, you know, you really have to attach to things bigger than just the people that are going to get stuck in an accident or whatever. But any driver, I'm like, oh, that's clever and interesting. Like, I'm going to follow them and because they, they get it and they're in touch with, you know, what's going on in the world. And I think oftentimes that's a great way what we do. You know, we attach ourselves to things that are trending or larger issues. They might not even be Gilbert related, you know, like you said, they might not even have a traffic bent to them, but you have a way to, to get people to be, you know, thinking about how they're driving differently. Yeah. And that's with the safety message. And before I get into that, the safety messages have the lowest priority of anything we put on the overhead boards. Um, 
You'll see um, like crash warnings like left lane block ahead mm-hmm. or freeways closed because of a crash or warnings about um, construction closures for an upcoming weekend, silver alerts, blue alerts, amber alerts, all those things. If they're happening, you know, they'll, they have um, priority over safety message. We use the safety messages when the boards aren't going to be used for anything else, but um, we use them because, and I'm going to hop on my soapbox here for a moment, crashes are rising across the nation, not just in Arizona. And you know, more than 90% of crashes are caused by driver behavior. And when I say driver behavior, I mean... He means cell phones. <laughs> well, I mean distraction. People I mean on Twitter? Yeah. I mean he means speeding, impairment, driving aggressively. I mean, those are all things we choose to do or we choose not to avoid them. Mm-hmm. So and with the safety messages, our hope is that we're not gonna, we know we're not going to change everyone's behavior, but if we can change some people's or spark conversations or get someone to buckle their seatbelt in that moment when they see the sign, mm-hmm. that's our goal with those. And um, everyone knows not to drive drunk. Everyone knows they should wear a seatbelt. Maybe if they hear it a different way or see it a different way or something that they can really relate to, maybe that helps. I think sparking that conversation between parents and teens or soon-to-be drivers, is those signs are really a good way to do that because, you know, you, you've all had that conversation with your parents where it's boring, you know, you need to drive safe, make sure you wear your seatbelt. But when you see something that's kind of tied to pop culture, it catches their attention mm-hmm. and it is a easier conversation that you can have with a young driver. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You might even start some conversations by a parent asking, like, what the reference is. Because the kids know we've what the reference is. We've actually heard a lot is. of those. Um, yeah. We've heard, like, what's the reference? Or we'll hear people talking about, we tried to come up with messages, or we really liked the Thanksgiving one, and we talked about them. And it's really neat to hear. It's kind of weird to hear, too. People are talking about traffic safety on their in their free time. But that's what we're going for. So it's, it's working. Mission accomplished. And all of those submissions that we've received, we have people who send us tweets and post on our Facebook page. I have a suggestion for a sign. That is what really sparked the safety message contest, right? Yeah, we started the safety message contest last year. Um, And we, gosh, it got way bigger than we thought it would. And I had to go through all 6,700 entries. Um, (laughs) And so we had it open for two weeks last year. And this week, we're actually in the middle of it. this year, we, I, we had it open for one week, and we got a little more than 2,000, which is still pretty good. Um, but yeah, people are really into it. I so mean, what was the winner of the last one? Last year, um, there were two winners. Um, one was, that's the temperature, not the speed limit. And, oh, single, like and single and HOV get a real date, not a court date. And so <laughs> I remember, we, I did see that one. I we had both that. winners down to our traffic operations center, and they got to type their message into the system and hit enter on it. And awesome. see it get lit up all over the state. and. It was really cool. That's such a cool way to engage people. That's so awesome. I love that. That's super smart. So talk about how your teams work together on various projects and, um, you know, what that looks like. And then also, is there a set expectation for response time for people that have questions? And how do you manage through that? I know Jen said she got a response in two minutes. One of the things we expect is that especially during business hour it's a little tougher for us maybe in the middle of the night but that something is acknowledged on social media within an hour and I think the first time I told someone that wasn't working in our department that they almost fell out of their seat like in an hour and I'm like yeah yeah yeah. if someone goes on social media and has a question and wants something if it's not acknowledged even if you don't have the answer like you said you know within an hour they've moved on or they're going to go try to find it somewhere else or they're going to get frustrated and probably not come back so can you talk to me a little bit about those we don't have any set you know hey you need to do x y or z but we do expect if somebody asks us a question 
it gets answered. So, you know, we because we do have a dedicated team, I don't think maybe we feel like we need to put that, mm-hmm. hey, you need to respond in X number of, of minutes. But, you know, especially on Twitter, because it is so immediate, we are going to respond to you right away. There are, again, times where we don't have the answer, and that is just a, hey, we'll research it, we'll get back to you, or go here, because I can't answer your specific question about your driver's license because I don't have access to those records, but I can direct you to the right place. So I think people are really looking for answers. They know that we don't know everything, but if you can direct them, and even when they have questions about other cities, so say there's a question about something that's happening on a Gilbert Road that I don't know, we send them to you guys. We might send them to Gilbert PD, and we also are watching your feeds. We're watching uh, police and fire feeds, so we kind of know a little bit about what's going on around town and hopefully um, a good way to to direct people elsewhere to answer, get their questions answered. So what tools are you guys using to manage this? Do you guys have a social media management tool? Are you using native platforms? What do you guys use? We are very simple. So we are on Facebook. We're on the Facebook page, um, you know, answering posts that people post on our page as well as um, our inbox. And then on Twitter, it's TweetDeck for the most part. So yeah, nothing super special, nothing that a lot of money has been invested into. It's pretty simple. Yeah, we talk about that all the time that theme. Yeah, that this is a free way that you can be connecting with your customers and providing a level of service that you can't get. Who wants to pick up a phone and call and ask a question anymore or even send an email now, right? Like it, that that's just not happening and that's not the expectation. And I love what you said um, about a lot of your customers come to you when they have a problem or they're angry. And I think we've talked a lot about the fear of social media because what I hear from a lot of other cities is, well, what's your policy? You know, how do you prevent, you know, the haters from coming on? And what do you do in that situation? And it's like, well, you honestly respond to them, acknowledge them. If they have a question, you can answer it. If they're just there to complain, they're just there to complain. That's okay. They might not need anything from you. But it, I think this is what's holding a lot of agencies, cities back from coming to embrace the power of social media and using it for customer care because they're nervous they of that fear. And I love you guys are the perfect example because most of the people that are tweeting at you are probably not happy. And yet you're kind of like, you know, the airlines, you know, and they, they do the same thing with Southwest or, you know, you're, you've probably got a complaint when you're going to go on and tweet at Southwest Airlines. Um, So I think that that's really fascinating, and I'm really excited for our listeners to listen to this episode in particular because I think they can learn a lot about, um, you know, just kind of embracing it and attacking that head on. One of the things we don't have are social media policies that prevent us or anyone from, you know, engaging and doing what we want to do, and I said, you know, this is, we want to encourage our employees to be advocates on social media. We want to encourage our users to be comfortable in this space. And you don't want to create some crazy policy that makes everyone fearful of what they're going to do if, oh, what if I go respond to this? So how do you handle things like that? And it's probably part of your training because you have multiple people answering. What are your guidelines for for doing that? I think since the time we've started, um, our executive team has put trust in us. So they've trusted us to handle things and handle it appropriately. And you know what? We mess up. There are times where we give the wrong information, where 
you know, we've said something that nah, maybe it crossed the line a little bit. And it's just something that we all naturally do. We're all human, right? So you have to acknowledge that and be honest and transparent about that as well as, you know, honest about the information that you're giving out because that builds the trust with your audience. And eventually when you do build enough of that trust, when somebody is on there saying that they, you know, hate your message board, they hate ADOT, they hate this or that, your community will sometimes defend you. You won't have to do it. That's the best. I shouldn't say it's the best part. It's been really interesting to see. Um, not everyone is a fan of the safety messages. Some people think they're stupid, they're distracting, don't do them. And we're all entitled to an opinion. But the great thing is to see it's the same few people who get on Facebook and rag on every message is you see the rest of the followers get on there and like, no, they're there for a reason. Here's why they're there. They're good. And it's re- we don't even have to engage you know, the trolls because everyone else tells them their opinion. And you can see the, the support is way high and the, the other people are way low. Yes. Amen. That is one of the best feelings in the world. That is, we were just talking about this yesterday and it's, it is so true. And I tell people that are hesitant to want to engage in this space. It's like, I could count on, you know, one hand, the times where there really been a situation where I'm like, huh, how are we going to handle this? Or what should we do or how to respond? Like it genuinely is, it usually resolves itself. um, If someone has a complaint and it's sometimes the knee jerk reaction is, I want to answer, and and sometimes you need to, if there's misinformation that you feel like you need to correct, but if not, oftentimes we'll say, wait, breathe, hold up, someone else will come to the rescue, and they do. They they come in, they, you know, and it's like, yes, and I love when that happens, and that really shows that you have an engaged audience that's following, that understands what you're trying to do and what the purpose is, and you don't have to say it. It's so much more powerful coming from someone else. It is, because, I mean, you know, unless we made an error, made a mistake, or screwed up, you know, we put out what we put out, we believed in it. Um, Seeing other people do it, it's great, because it's like you said, they're doing it because they want to, not because they have to, they want to. And I think the criticism, it is important to take that, evaluate that, and listen to that because there are two sides to, to everything. And it is important for us to look at that and say, hey, how can we do better, um, you know, in, in every different way? Because sometimes there are ways that we could have gotten the message out better. We could have been more specific about this is the detour that, that we strongly suggest. So there are ways that we can always do better. And that criticism is a very real-time feedback to how you are doing. I love it. So what's coming next? Is there anything, any space that you're not in yet that you're thinking about or exploring? Well, I mean, I guess we're trying to figure out Instagram and how to use that. Um, I mean, we've got a lot of cool projects that we can take pictures of and, you know, a lot of scenery around the state with our highways um, and other safety campaigns. As far as a social media front, there's that. And then I think just um, maximizing what we're already doing on Twitter and, and Facebook, too. So using all of the tools that are possible and then really trying to get some of our other, um, you know, community relations members who might be out in different portions of the state involved. So I think, it, you know, really just trying to expand where we already are and do a little bit better. And our app, we launched an app a couple of months ago, ADOT awesome. Alerts. And, you know, we're still figuring out the best ways to use that. It's not... Um, an app that you would use for your daily commute. It's not like Waze or Google Maps or anything like that. It's uh, an app you download and you just set it and forget it. And 
if there's a, a major unplanned traffic event or closure in your area, you'll get a little ping on your phone, a notification, and you'll know either to stay where you're at because the road road's really backed up or to take another route. And we're still figuring out, you know, the best ways to use that and how we, we can maximize that. And we get plenty of feedback on social media that kind of guides us of, nah, eh, that wasn't the best best idea you could do it this way. Or, hey, that was so great. That was so helpful. You saved me hours of sitting in traffic. Do you guys have relationships with uh, companies like Waze and Google and stuff? All of the information in our, our system, you know, we make that available to companies like Google and it's, I believe it's Citrix, things like that. Mm-hmm. So they can take it and they integrate that into however they're using their, you know, their speed maps, their their maps, their GPS units, things like that. So even indirectly, you're reaching residents and, and yeah, reaching them. yeah, that's great. And that's, I mean, we don't care if they get it from the radio, the TV, sure. you know, you guys, us, their Google map. We don't want people to be stuck on the freeway in backups. We don't want them driving into, you know, dust storms. We want people to get where they're going efficiently and smoothly without any hiccups. That's another benefit of Twitter, especially you're not only reaching, you know, your citizens and the people who are driving on your roads, but you're also reaching the media. And I know we have, whenever we have traffic incidents, road closures, anything like that, I mean, as soon as we post it, local news agencies, our traffic reporters are sharing that information. So they're helping you get that message across and you're only really having to put it out on social media, um, which is so much better than having to do a press release or reach out to them directly about a major incident. I mean, it just makes life so much easier. We do have a lot of media who do reach out to us on Twitter, especially sometimes the traffic reporters in the morning send us a quick message. Hey, just wanted to check on this, you know, quick questions. And that's easier for them than sending sending a an email or picking up the phone and calling us. So it is a very quick way to get information out to the media. I love it. This has been great. I really, I think a lot of people will find value in this. And I really admire all of the work you guys are doing and Look forward to, you know, driving on the freeway to see what's on your side. So thank you both for coming and joining us. Um, Caroline, tell us where our listeners should go if they want to follow you on your channels. Okay, so you can find us on Twitter at Arizona DOT and on Facebook. The easiest way is probably to search Arizona Department of Transportation. Yeah, Facebook, Twitter. Um, we have an Instagram account. You know, just search for Arizona DOT on there. You'll be one of the, the first few followers. Perfect. Nice. Get in on the ground floor. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you, Derek and Jen, of course, and to all our listeners. And you can follow us on Twitter as well at GovGoneDigital. And we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. 